When was the last time you faced fear head on? And how did you react in that very moment? Superhumans. 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 I'm your host, Gotham Galati, better known as Dr. G. As someone who once prescribed pills, I now prescribe stories as a form of medicine. Today's story, told by our beloved friend Mel, reveals how the wrath of fear can either grip you or set you free. It's a choice. It's your choice. So as you listen, think about how you see yourself in Mel's story. So when I jumped and when I landed and I was not dead, and it sounds so ridiculous, I... It, it changed my psyche in a really irreversible way. And it's partly connected to how it helped free me from the chains of fear. In the wise words of Nelson Mandela, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the triumph over it. This quote, paired with the backdrop of our storyteller's vulnerable journey with the many faces of fear, has us contemplating the emotions dictating the internal narratives we tell ourselves. Who we become is determined by who we choose to hold the pen when writing our own story. Is it fear? Or is it you? Before we hit play, just a quick word of caution. This episode mentions the use of psychedelics, and it's why we want to give you a friendly reminder that our storytellers' personal experiences shared in this episode are for entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as professional medical advice. Always consult with a healthcare provider before embarking on any practices or substances that could potentially impact your health or have unintended risks, complications, or consequences. See you on the other side of the story. As a kid, I, my parents got divorced when I was young, really young, about three years old. And I had the experience of visiting my dad, living with my mom, my stepdad, my stepmom. We had back and forth weekends. And I always remember feeling really afraid of my dad. He's, uh, you know, a strong personality. 
it's not that he wasn't loving as as well he was but there was a definitely a feeling of not knowing what to do you know not being sure and always sort of being afraid i would get in trouble you know just get in trouble i was the youngest and i was the only girl on my dad's side of the family and i always felt included for the most part but i was slowly learning how to not be afraid i was slowly i guess figuring out how to be in that space and slowly figuring out that my dad wasn't scary which sounds weird but <laughs> you know that was definitely part of it I, like there was a very conscious thought as i entered my teen years and and my young adulthood i remember thinking to myself about okay my dad isn't scary <laughs> fast forward I can think about going back to when I was with the person who would become my husband we moved to Arizona we left and we we moved and we created a new life there we bought a house like the whole thing we're sort of going this direction of of all the things that you think it's supposed to look like all of that was happening and this is also while i was traveling the world at the height of my professional skydiving really traveling 2 weeks out of the month and it all was you know coming together and shortly after we shortly after our sort of big wedding our big you know wearing the white dress everyone's invited big ballroom thing My husband wakes up and he says through tears he says I don't love you anymore. And of course I was immediately I was like oh my goodness like what's what's wrong like are you are you okay like what something's wrong here my immediate reaction was was that like i and i definitely did not know how to handle that type of scenario i did not know how to navigate the intense fear that i felt after that moment after my 
divorce, like before it was clear that we were going to break up, before anybody even knew, we had these thank you notes that hadn't even gone out to people in our lives. There was all of these pictures of me in a big puffy dress and all of these images of this day of these theoretical dreams coming true. And at the time, of course, I felt humiliated. I felt, I felt completely humiliated. And it was, it was torture for me to write those notes and feel like every single one of them was a lie and feel like I didn't know how to just tell the truth you know, and it's not that I wanted to lie. I didn't, I had, there's no part of me that wanted to lie. I stink at lying. I can't, I can't lie. But I didn't know what to do in that scenario. And because of this acute pain that I felt around this particular split, it motivated me to do my first ceremony. My intention in this ceremony also was to figure this out, was to find, was to see, was to heal whatever it was that I was missing around this and love relationships. So I go into ceremony and by the way, it's terrifying <laughs> because you know you're going to see yourself deeply. It's one of the bravest things I've ever done is to be willing to see myself and to look that deeply into myself, to feel the pain that comes out when you're in those kinds of ceremonial healing experiences and I'm in no way an expert on this stuff so this is all very much from my own personal experience I don't recommend anybody do anything it's you know anything certainly anything illegal or anything like that do all your own research and definitely make sure you're safe all of that I had done for myself and so I knew I was in a safe place and safe space and safely held with these people. So I'm sitting there and gosh, I start to, I'm feeling sort of ill. <laughs> I'm feeling ill. And I start to just, uh, just like make these noises. Just like, uh, uh, just like, oh my God. I almost feel sick thinking about it. I am letting myself make these sounds. And this one particular sound was nasty, nasty and loud. Every time I made that particular sound, I purged. And it was really intense. It was unfucking believable. 
I don't know how else to say it. Literally, I be, one of the main things I kept saying about this particular ceremony was, it's unfucking believable. Holy fucking shit balls. <laughs> but um, anyway, I started to speak. I started to say no. No. And I said no, like with deliberate direction, just no, no, no. But where I'm going is one story in particular stuck out. And I remembered this story. This was a story that was not buried in my unconscious. It was, it was conscious to me. Where I remember I was in eighth grade and I went to a high school dance, went to the dance. I was excited to be there and, you know, there's this high school dance. There's the dark lights of the gym and <laughs> the bad high school DJ, all that. And, you know, you're sitting on the, the lowest seat of the bleachers and you're hoping that some boy asks you to dance. Oh, my God, the, like, hottest, cutest senior boy comes over and asks me to dance and I am just swooning oh I am just over the moon that I am dancing with this I can't I can't even believe it's real I'm just like oh my god this is amazing I'm not saying any of this obviously I'm just like awkwardly dancing with this person <laughs> but I was over the moon then after the dance we're back in school and the yearbooks come out and it's kind of weird but like all the senior guys wanted to sign my yearbook they were like asking me if they could sign my yearbook and I was like okay cool and I gave it to them they signed it and it was weird because pretty much like all of them were writing these sort of lovey notes. These really sort of just love love notes to me in my yearbook. And I I don't remember if this if I if this I don't remember if I I don't remember if this happened or if I just if I just thought it was happening but basically it hit me that I was a joke that these love notes that this person asking me to dance was all a part of a big joke that they were all just making fun of me 
And I got, like, I, I don't remember feeling humiliated. But I, in ceremony, I, I got it, like, well, fuck, of course. Of course you're afraid. Of course you know. Uh, like, of course you would want to know what every man in your life is thinking. Of course you would need to be reassured. Of course any hint of anything off would make you fear that same humiliation. And so seeing that, I was able to really heal it and to be like, oh, I don't have to know everything. I can't possibly know everything. I can't possibly predict what any person in my life is going to do, how any person might treat me, what, what they might say, how, how they might show up in my life one day and then totally changed in another. I finally was able to be like, I don't need to be afraid of that anymore. And it seems so simple, but the profound healing that I got no longer fearing that I would be humiliated was huge. I sort of feel like it. I want to go tell some of my professional story because it's interesting how it that lack of awareness in terms of how I was limited by that fear manifested in my life and in what I did as an individual and in my professional life. <clears throat> So my dad is a pilot. He is has been in aviation my whole life. And he and one of his best friends started a drop zone, a skydiving center at our house when I was, you know, I gosh, I can't remember how old I was honestly. It's probably 10 or 12 or something like that. I got to see skydivers. I got to see people jumping out of airplanes and having this really fun, amazing experience and just seeing the freedom that was, and the fun that was embodied in these people that were there. And I was just, you know, a drop zone kid, just kind of there. I would sit through the first jump course. I would, get in the hanging harness and pull handles. One day when I was 18, I, I just got sick of waiting. <laughs> like I kind of got sick of feeling anxious. And I had, I basically said to myself, all right, this, that's it. Tomorrow I'm doing it. Now, for me, I was jumping out of a small Cessna. 
where it's only a few people fit in it. My dad's actually the pilot. <laughs> I was actually the pilot on my first jump. And so I climb in, I'm sitting on the floor, and I've been in this airplane many times. So this part isn't new to me, but what is new to me is that I'm wearing a skydiving rig and I'm sitting on the ground and they close the door and we start to taxi for the runway. Get to the end of the runway and my dad revs the engine, checks the airplane, and we go. You sort of feel the lurch of the airplane start to move for takeoff. We're rolling down the runway and the airplane takes off. Again, I've been here before. This is not new to me. I've been in the airplane many times. But this time is different because we're climbing to altitude for me to actually leave this aircraft. <laughs> and so we're climbing and I'm trying to breathe. My goggles are fogging up. I'm trying not to freak out. I'm checking my altimeter, looking at my altitude, seeing how far we are before we get there. We get up to jump run. The airplane, you can feel the airplane level off. So you know that you're not climbing anymore. So you know that you're getting closer and closer to exit. So the plane levels off and I know that we're on jump run. My instructor checks my gear, makes sure I'm good to go. He reaches across my body, twists the handle of the door and lets go. And the door flings open and it is windy, it's loud and we're at 5,000 feet and there's nothing between me and the ground. And that's the first time I have ever seen this. I am sitting, literally sitting right next to an open aircraft door in flight. <laughs> it's so intense. It's so comically intense. But I'm but I'm ready, you know? I'm I'm committed. I'm I'm committed. I'm ready. I want to do this. Even though I am terrified, I do what I'm, I, I, my instructor says, okay, gives me the thumbs up. And, I, and I'm like, okay, okay. I swing my legs out into the wind and I reach out the forward. It's like when you stick your head out of a moving car, it's the same sort of vibe. And I'm leaning out into that wind to put my hands on the strut of the airplane, which is basically that beam that holds the wing up that holds it, connects to the fuselage of the aircraft and to the wing of the aircraft to keep it stable. And so that is what I'm reaching out to grab onto. That's what I'm supposed to hang off of before I let go. And so I'm reaching out into this wind. I sort of scoop my butt toward the, toward the door so that I can, you know, kind of when it's time, hop out. I reach out, I'm out there. I look back at my instructor and he's like, Okay, like, it's time to go. And so I've scooted my, my butt all the way close to the edge and I look out, I have my hands on the strut and I just, and I just push off and I just hop out 
and I immediately fall off the strut. There's no, I didn't know I wasn't able to hang on the strut. I just fell off. And in three seconds, I had a parachute over my head because I was doing a static line jump. So I didn't have to pull a ripcord or anything like that. But, oh my God, absolutely, ex like, absolutely exhilarating. I don't know, even know what that word means. You know what I mean? But just like flooded. My whole body was flooded in, a, in an amazing way. And now I'm in this environment, this experience where I'm like, okay, I've got to gotta fly this thing now. I got to reach up. I got to pull my brakes down. I got to, does it, is it good? Do I have an emergency on my hands? Is this a landable parachute? And luckily on my first jump, I had a very good parachute. <laughs> And I fly it all the way down and I come in and on my very first jump, I landed right in my dad's backyard. And I just slid in on my butt and I just laid there, just out fully and completely changed. It's indescribable. There's nothing like, there's nothing like it. To leave an aircraft in flight, to open a parachute and to land it of your own power, it's, it's, it, it boggles my mind even still today. I mean, it was basically that when I jumped and when I landed, and I was not dead. And it sounds so ridiculous. I, it, it changed my psyche in a really irreversible way. Anytime I feel fear or anytime my, uh, like my fear is trying to tell me I can't do something, it's not like some fucking life coachy you can do anything you know like it's totally not that it's that anytime my fear is telling me I can't do something I have to at least question whether or not that's true that premise alone has served me in every single area of my life in the sense that I would not be I mean, I wouldn't be a professional skydiver. I wouldn't be an entrepreneur. I wouldn't be a writer. I certainly wouldn't be on this show <laughs> talking in great depths and personal soul-bearing storytelling, which is, oh God, so med is such medicine. God, I love what you guys do with this show. Oh gosh. I could cry thinking about this. Oh man, it's such gratitude, guys. I have so much gratitude. <sighs> wow. <sighs> That's amazing to feel that even now. <sighs> 23 years in, 11,000 plus jumps in, I still feel such immense gratitude for the influence of skydiving in my life. And it's partly connected to its 
it how it helped free me from the chains of fear. Hmm. Anyway, there's a lot there. What else would you like to know? <laughs> Welcome back. Dr. G here again. What you just heard was live tape from Mel's world record-breaking jump when she and the Project 19 crew pulled off an unprecedented 80-way skydiver jump. Truly, superhumans exist in all facets of life. Understanding our relationship with fear can be complicated and scary in its own right. Simply recognizing the existence of fear in your life makes you superhuman. My co-creator and co-producer, Pamela Rothenberg, wants to invite you into a mini meditation. This is something we do behind the scenes to create a safe space for our storytellers as they open up. Hey everyone, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen with us. When Dr. G and I think about the purpose of this show, it has so many layers. And we think about you every step of the way. We think about you. We think about your experience of the story and how it's going to land in you. We think about what it's going to shift and what questions it's going to bring up. So we want to offer you the kind of guided meditation that we offer to our storytellers. Before we get into it, I just want to make sure that if you choose to receive this meditation and to go along with us, that you're in a safe, comfortable space to do so. As in, not operating any heavy machinery and not driving. And if it feels comfortable and safe for you, I'll begin. Take a moment to notice where you are in space. Begin to become aware of your body. And as this awareness comes to you, I invite you to see if you can find a way to become 
10% more comfortable. Be it in your seat or wherever you stand now. Maybe you're lying down. And take this moment to nurture you and cater to you. And as you find yourself in this space that is just a little bit more comfortable, I invite you to bring your awareness to the bottom of your feet. And notice what's holding you from the ground level. Notice what is supporting you. Breathe into that. Just gently with no need to force anything. Just allowing yourself to notice what is holding you. And as you enter more deeply into this space, I invite you again to put your attention toward the bottom of your feet and the relationship between the soles of your feet and the ground below you or the space around them. And as you tune in, go ahead and bring your awareness, navigate your awareness to the top of your head. Holding both poles at the same time. That which is below you and that which is above you. Bring your awareness to your existence in between. Breathing deeply into your heart space. Noticing the energy of anything that doesn't support you in this moment. Gently leaving. I invite you to bring your awareness now to the back of your head. And the space behind you. And if you're lying down, again, noticing that which is holding you. If you're seated, noticing that which is holding you. And if you're standing, noticing that which circles around you. To 
tuning into the present moment. I invite you to notice your hands, to notice if they can soften. Notice if there's any part of you that wants to move now that it's entered the stillness. Invite yourself to do so. Hmm. Allowing any energy to gently fall away with any of these small movements. giving yourself a moment just to be here to be present to notice what's arising for you one of the things that we do with superhumans is carve out one particular question individualized for a storyteller and I want you to notice if your consciousness has a question for you. Something supportive for you. And I want you to invite yourself to put this question in your heart. To allow it to be something that guides you. Bring your awareness now to your throat. Notice if any piece of it feels blocked or constricted. Can you offer yourself a little tenderness for the truth that wants to be revealed to you in this particular moment, in this container, with yourself, in the privacy of your own presence? And then notice your relationship to your spine. Notice if it is communicating anything to you. Knowing that in a way the spine is deeply connected to the soul and divine intelligence. Notice if there's any secret that you are individual temple is hoping to communicate to you. And if it feels safer to move away from the communication, you're also welcome to sit in the simplicity of silence. You're also welcome to sit in the simplicity of this nothingness. You're invited to 
pause to continue to play, to rest, to roll back. When you're ready, I invite you to bring your awareness to your toes and wiggle them a little bit, welcoming yourself out of this space, out of this container. And for those of you who are ready, when you're ready, you can begin to move your shoulders a little bit. or roll whatever feels like it needs to be rolled or wiggled or moved with no rush maintaining presence deepening your connection to yourself my prayer for you as you leave this meditation is that you know that this space is always available for you Cultivated in connection with your presence, your willingness to be here with you. And as you continue to come back to this new space, to wherever you are, you can open your eyes. My prayer also, my hope also, is that you closed your eyes earlier. I forgot to give that permission. Hmm. Hopefully, hopefully we all guided ourselves there. So allowing yourself to gently open your eyes and flutter them open and blink a few times and gain consciousness. And gain consciousness of where we are now having moved from wherever we were before, having moved to this new space, this new world, with this presence and this part of you. Dr. G and I want to thank you for taking this time to be with yourself and taking this time to be with our storyteller and with superhumans. We want to thank Mel for her willingness to be vulnerable with herself, with us, and with all of you. Her story reminds us that fear has the power to take us away from our greatest self, but that we have the power to override it, ultimately changing the course of the life we have left to live. 
When we think about breaking the chains of fear, we are invited not only to make change, but to see fear, look it in the face, and say what Mel said. No. 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 You can learn more about Mel in our show notes. But we can't let you go without first sharing this and bragging on her behalf. Since that first jump, Melanie Curtis has done over 11,000 jumps. She's a world record holder, national champion, author, speaker, coach, and entrepreneur. Imagine how one move can lead you to 11,000 more thrilling, life-fulfilling moments. Normally, this is where we tease our next episode. But instead, we want to hear from you. What themes or topics are you hoping we feature next? Or maybe you have a story that you want to tell. Or know of someone who is superhuman. Just send us a note at hello at wellplayed.health. That's hello at wellplayed.health. We're already inspired to hear from you. This episode was kindly supported by an educational grant from our friends at Daiichi Sankyo. Without you, this would not be possible. We share in our values an unrelenting commitment to human life. If you, our listeners, share in similar values and want to explore the power of sponsoring our docuseries, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We want to thank you for subscribing. And if you haven't yet, we'd be so thankful if you could leave us a review to help new listeners discover how story can be a form of medicine. Superhumans is made with love by a tribe of creative artists. Our senior producer and show co-creator is Pamela Rothenberg. Sound engineering and design is provided by Rob Spate. Pre-production audio engineering is provided by Jay Wujun Yao. Our original theme music is composed by Daniel Brunel. And a special thanks to our creative collaborators, Hatch. From Well Played, I'm Dr. G. And you are loved.